Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Philippians 4 and verse number uh, 15. Verse number 15. Philippians 4 verse 15. Message is going to be entitled, Investing in the Triumphs of Christ. Something worthwhile to invest in. Let's read Philippians 4 and verse number 15. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, so when Paul first came to them on the second missionary journey, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even... In Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full and having received of Epaphroditus. There's a good word for us. Let's say that together. Epaphroditus. Now you've reached a challenge this morning. Epaphroditus. The things which were sent from you an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He really describes what they had done. Verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Read together with me, verse number 20. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever Amen. You all said an amen right there. Amen's good. What does amen mean? So be it. It's when you agree with truth, and you're welcome to say amen. It's not for my sake. It's really, I agree with that. Amen. And Paul leads us in saying amen. To God be the glory, is what he's saying. To God be the glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, would you guide our time in your word today? Help us, move us forward for your glory's sake and for the the need of the lost around the world. Lord, it seems insurmountable to reach so many people. But Lord, you've not asked us to reach 8 8 billion people personally. You have asked us to reach one, to reach two. You have an allotted amount of people for us to reach in our life. And so we need to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, both in our personal witness, but also, Lord, in our investing in the work of your, uh, your work around the world, the work of missions. And I pray that you'd help us Give us a tender heart about this, I pray. Help us not to hold on to what you're asking of us. I pray that we be fully surrendered to you and then know the joy, the fulfillment of the promise that you do supply our needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. So help us today. Be with the children as they learn from your word. I pray that you be with Brother Grant, that they would be inspired to serve you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. So as we started this mission weeks it started out with the the message extending Christ's triumph in every place i want us to look up here and read together with me second corinthians 2 and verse number 14 ready begin now thanks be unto god which always causeth us to triumph in christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place 
Listen, we have the opportunity because Jesus Christ has triumphed in our life. He has triumphed over sin, death, and hell in our lives. He's given us a new name written down in glory. He has truly brought us from death unto life. What triumph is this? And we have this opportunity to take the same triumph that he's given to us or he's won in our heart at the cross. And when we place faith in him, he takes that same triumph and he allows us to bring that somewhere else. He allows that to bring that to our workplace. He allows that to bring that to our family and to our children or to your grandchildren. He allows us to preach that in multiple places. He allows us to preach it in settings that are hostile and in settings that are welcoming. He allows us to do it in so many different ways. And we learned in the first message that in order for truth to triumph, it simply must be delivered. It simply must be delivered. In order for the word of God to triumph is what Paul is saying here. All we did is we delivered it. God triumphed as he brought us into another city, into another location, and we simply expressed what Jesus Christ wanted to do for them. And it triumphed. And we uh, so many times look at ourselves and we say, well, you know, if I were a better communicator, if I could only have the ability to speak like that person, then I would be a great soul winner. No, we simply have to deliver the truth and see the triumph of Christ expanded and extended into different places. Moses was not a great speaker. All he needed to do is go declare the word of the Lord to Pharaoh. And God's word came true, did it not? And we can expect that same thing to happen when we deliver the truth, whether it's in the Mahdi Project, or whether it's in Mongolia, whether it's down in Grenada, wherever the truth is delivered, it will indeed triumph. The Bible tells us in our theme verse as a church is Matthew 28 and verse number 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. And so we're very thankful for that. But the Bible says, we are to go ye therefore, Mark 16, 15, go ye, on, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. You're here in Kettering right now. You can't be uh, uh, omnipresent. You, you, you are confined to one place, are you not? Don't you, uh, wouldn't it be kind of freaky to be omnipresent? <laughs> that would be... Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not demeaning that in any way, but I'm, I'm glad that the, my mind has uh, a hard enough time handling being in one place, much less being in multiple places. But our God is infinite and way, uh, way bigger than us. But we're not. We can't be everywhere. You can't be here and in Grenada simultaneously. But friends, if the truth is going to triumph in different lands around the world, it must be delivered. And we have a responsibility to deliver it here. You do have a responsibility in your workplace to be a shining bright light. They should not get five years down the road working next to you and not realize you're a Christian. A few of you said amen. A few of you said so be it, all right? Is it true? Are we hiding our light under a bushel? Well, I don't want to offend anybody. You know, I I, I wouldn't want to they're going to be really offended when they're in hell for all of eternity and they realize you had the answer. We have a responsibility to do. And so we must extend the triumph. We have glorious news. Christ wants to triumph over the hurt and the, and the helplessness that you feel in your heart. He wants to triumph over the sin that you cannot get over. He wants to triumph over that. But how do we get that triumph all around the world? We partner here with some 39 different missionaries that are taking the gospel and taking the truth, the word, of the, uh, the word of God, to different regions in the world. 
It's our privilege to, um, to partner with them. It is our, our delight to partner with them. We don't look at missionaries as someone, oh, here's someone coming through just trying to get more money. We don't look at Brother Anders as he's um, presenting his calling on his life. Uh, here's someone else that we, we, uh, we uh, need to try to support. Here's someone else that just needs money. No, no, that's not what we look at it as. The reason we call them partners is because that's exactly what we are. We are partnering with them to take the gospel where God has not specifically called us to be geographically. But they are called there. And we want to contribute, hold the ropes, support them, fund them so that they can do that without distraction. We understand, and we'll get into this, but uh, to, to work a job like Brother Frank Suglio uh, last week, to work a job and try to plan a church is a very difficult thing. Wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, you can't be available 24-7. You can't be out there uh, when you have other, other restraints on you, other burdens on providing, and other responsibilities. And so we delight in partnering with missionaries around the world. And the way that we can invest in the triumphs of Christ, invest in the truth being brought to many places and triumphing in Grenada is to take the funds that God has given us, the resources that God has given us, and say, you know what, I'm going to get behind that. I'm going to give towards that. I'm going to sacrifice towards that. I don't need that $5 cup of coffee. I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to invest in that, or whatever it is. We all have different things. So I, uh, I, I'm picking on coffee because that's my thing, all right? Uh, but, uh, and I don't like $5 cups of coffee either. It's just such a waste. Like, yeah, uh, go, go get a bag of coffee and brew a good cup of coffee. But nonetheless, uh, as we there's things that we can sacrifice and we can say, hey, I want to get behind this and I want to give towards this so that the work of missions might continue. I want to invest in the triumphs of Christ. Do you know that Christ never loses a battle? And the idea that God has enabled us or called us to not only take that message out there, but also to take the resources he has blessed us with, the strength that he's given to us to work, and to take those resources and say, I want to get behind something that is truly eternal and will always win. What an investment, friends. This isn't something I have to feel bad about preaching to, our, uh, to us as a church family. This is something I delight in preaching because when we get involved in this type of investment, you talk about winning eternally. It's an eternal win. I want us to notice from the life of the church at Philippi that they were a group of believers that were passionate about investing in the triumphs of Christ or in the extending of the gospel message, taking the truth to the next city, the next region, taking the truth abroad. They were very passionate about this, and they weren't that old of a church. They're only several years old at the, at the point they were receiving this letter. So they didn't, have, they didn't have, we're 39 years old next Sunday as a church. We've been operating in a long time. They weren't that old. They were probably about three years old. And they're saying, let us be involved. Let us invest. Let us be a part of taking the gospel to the next place. They need what we have. They need that same triumph in their lives that we have. Let us be a part of this. So I want us to notice in verse 15 that this was a generous church. This was a generous church. Help me out with the map so we can place them on, on the map. Uh, just notice down in uh, down Jerusalem, that's not Paul's home, home uh, church. It was Antioch. He uh, was up in Tarsus a little bit uh, northwest of, of Antioch there is where he was from. But he's uh, sent out of, uh, out of Antioch. It was a sending church, just like Brother, uh, um, Brother Swanson mentioned Falls Baptist is his sending church. 
uh, Paul had the sending church of Antioch there in Syria, and this is his second missionary journey, so he uh, goes across Asia, and you remember God said, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there, and then he heard the Macedonian call at Troas, and then he goes up into Macedonia, and he meets a group of people by the riverside that were gathering together for prayer, and he preaches Christ to them. They receive Christ. Phil, uh, uh, Lydia, the, the, the maker of purple, or the, the dyer of purple, she uh, worked with fabrics, and she was a business lady. He met her there. Uh, after the town started following after Christ, uh, he cast out a devil out of a, a young uh, damsel, and it, it, it diminished the, uh, the profitability of that that demon-possessed young lady to her owners, and so it caused an uproar. He goes into prison. Uh, Paul and Silas sing at midnight, earthquake. Uh, God releases them, and the, 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 the Philippian jailer says, what must I do to be saved? So great things happened inside of that city, but there was a church established there. After Paul came out of prison, uh, he goes back to that church, and he comforts them, says, hey, you're doing good. He exhorts them, encourages them, then he moves on to the next city. And so this is the area, Philippi, and that region of Macedonia. I want you also to notice that Ki down where uh, uh, Corinth and Athens is and, and so on. So he's working in that area on his second missionary journey, and he is preaching the gospel, and he comes to this, this church, Philippi, and they receive the gospel, and they immediately respond with generosity. They immediately respond to what Jesus had done in their heart, and they said, we want to be involved. In fact, they saw the need. This, um, the Bible says in Philippians 4.15, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, in the beginning of the gospel, when they first had received it, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving. Well, there was a need. They saw that Paul was giving his life, sacrificing his life, sacrificing his time, sacrificing even his energy for the preaching of the gospel there in Philippi. And they saw that there was a need. He said that no church communicated with him, not Antioch in Syria, not Antioch in Pisidia, not Lystra, not Iconium, not Derbe, not Jerusalem. No church communicated with me. Now, there are going to be times where some of uh, our missionaries and different partners are out there, and we aren't aware of a need, and there, there is a great need, and no one's giving. No one's maybe following the prompting of the Holy Spirit. No one's giving and supporting them, and they feel out there all alone. And Paul was in that, um, that situation. He's in Philippi. He needs to move on to the next city, and there's no church saying, hey, we're with you. Here's a love offering. Here's some support to help you on your way. No church communicated or shared, partook with him, fellowship with him in the gospel ministry except those that were there in Philippi. They were the ones that saw the need and they, they realized, hey, this is a big need. We want to be a part of it. Paul boldly declared the gospel in the city of Philippi and as they responded to Christ, their hearts were touched. We want to be engaged in taking this message somewhere else. We want to be engaged in being a part of witnessing to those and extending the triumph of Christ to those in Berea and Athens and Corinth and, and Thessalonica. We want to be a part of that. This same missionary journey, if you show us the map again, Paul goes down to Athens and spends some time there, but then the Lord brought him into Corinth and he meets Priscilla and Aquila and he works as a tent maker down there. Uh, resources were tight. Paul did not want to be chargeable to the, to, the, um, to the people there in Corinth, so he works as a tent maker with Priscilla and Aquila, and they're working. But when an offering from these people came down to Corinth again, uh, Paul was encouraged in the work, and there was a really neat, uh, real big need down there. There's even some uh, scholars that look at this 
situation there in, in Corinth and realized that Paul ran into some cultural, even a little bit of cultural offense by, by being a speaker, a public speaker in Corinth, and as well working as a tent maker, which to them was uh, somewhat of a demeaning task. And so sometimes the, the, the banter that went on between Paul and the, the church of Corinth uh, might have even come from his initial decision there in Corinth to work as a tent maker because they, they thought that that was very demeaning. So there's some speculation about that. But I just want us to realize there was a real need for uh, the churches around that had already received the gospel to be engaged in taking the gospel and supporting the gospel going into these places because of some of the issues that it brought. So he worked there in Corinth because he had need. As Paul focused on Christ's mission, the Philippians uh, saw that, hey, we want to be a part of this and we want to give towards this. I want us to realize in our day, we're not dealing in a day, even here in America, where we're seeing an uptick in, in the church engaging in missions. We see that in different places, no doubt, but we're not seeing an uptick in general of the Christian community saying, hey, we want to be a part of it. I think we've lost sight. I think we've gotten so comfortable in here in America, well, the gospel will get to them somehow. Someone else will do it. But friends, it's churches like ours and it's people like you that need to allow God to move and work through you to see the need that is all around us. Just 21% of Christians uh, set their church giving at 10% or more of their income. Typically, their giving varies. About 37% of those surveyed uh, uh, say their, their giving varies from year to year. Well, one quarter do not give to their, uh, uh, through their church at all. Practicing Christians are much more likely to set their giving uh, to at least the customary 10% tithe. 40, uh, about 42% say that. Uh, though the means, uh, that, uh, that means that the majority of practicing Christians uh, is still giving lower or less than predictable amounts. And that's according to George Barna, uh, practicing Christians, around 42% uh, there. But friends, what I'm saying is God has commanded us all to be engaged in, uh, in contributing to the mission here and tithing. But he's also called us to give and be a part of offerings. And you say, well, this, this just sounds like a message you're just preaching on money and, and I, I'm uncomfortable with that. Listen, God speaks much about money in your finances, and your finances are a spiritual decision between you and God. It's a spiritual reality. Finances reveal something about our hearts. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I'd be remiss as a pastor not to challenge us to trust God with our finances and do what he's called us to do. And uh, this has been a journey that my wife and I have, uh, uh, have embraced and taken on. Uh, you say, well, you're a pastor. Do you tithe? Yes, I do. Do you give towards missions? Yes, I do. Do you give towards the building? Yes, I do. Yes, why? Because this, it's a part of, this is something that we can be involved in, in investing in Christ's triumph in this place and around, around the world. Uh, worldwide, survey done worldwide uh, from, uh, from Global Christian, uh, Christianity 2022, the traveling team, missions and money, their, their uh, info statement on it. Worldwide, Christian giving uh, to any Christian cause is about 1.7% of income. So you just spread that all across the world and friends, it's not, Christians are not necessarily sacrificing in general. Now, there are many that do sacrifice, and I hope that we're above the curve. I hope this doesn't describe any of us in here. But the fact is, there, it, there's enough money in the world to reach the world with the gospel. I'm going to sit down and say amen. For real. There is enough money in Ohio to fund the church planners in Ohio. There's enough money 
in the States, and we've seen God do that through the Grenada Bible Project, there is enough money. The fact is, we have to set aside things and say, you know what? The cause of God is bigger. Making certain that someone does not spend an eternity in hell is a bigger cause. Oh God, help us to realize and see the need. Do you personally see that need? When you give online or here at these boxes, when you give in, in, in the offering, do you, do you connect that with, this is, this is going to meet the need to extend the gospel, to extend the truth into different places. We're not just giving to, uh, just keep the lights on. Hey, how many of you like walking into a dark building? No one's home. How many of you like air conditioning? We live in this American culture. In other places, they don't have these, uh, these niceties, but the reality is when we're, when we're funding that here, it's a part of church ministry here. Uh, just this, uh, this week, we, uh, we went ahead and printed a new track that Jonathan Gilmore, one of our summer interns, um, uh, wrote while he was here. One of their projects was to write a track, and so when his friend uh, Ben Reimers uh, died in that, that tragic accident while watching the fireworks, uh, this was the track that he worked with the family and he wrote. It's in our track racks now. Uh, it's written in a, a newspaper theme, um, but it's a very well done track. And you know what? It takes money to print these tracks. But this track is going to be given to people by you throughout our community, and someone's going to come to the Lord Jesus Christ from it. And when you give in tithing, these are some of the things that you're doing. You're not just, uh, just get, uh, giving to, to, to keep the, the church lit up and keep the pastor paid and all that. We're giving, to, we're giving to the continuance of the gospel in this area. I preached the gospel yesterday in a funeral. I'm thankful that I didn't ha have to work all week long in other adventures in order to prepare three messages this, on this weekend in a very short amount of time uh, and, and, and have to worry about other things. I'm thankful for that. Do you realize we have to see the need? We have to attach what we're doing when we give. We see the need. And then what did the Philippians do? They took the, um, took the lead, verse number 15, but ye only. Say that out loud with me. But ye only. Listen, that's a pretty dramatic statement. They didn't wait. Well, wait a minute. We're the young, we're the young believers on the block. They didn't wait, uh, wait for uh, other churches. Well, Jerusalem's going to do something, right? I, I mean, certainly Jerusalem's going to do something. Antioch of, uh, of Syria, they're going to do something. They're your sending church. Nope, they didn't wait for others to take the lead. They took the lead. They said, we're going to do it. Now, there are some that would say, I don't think missionaries, I don't think pastors, I don't think preachers should be supported financially. Do you know that's, that's in contradiction to the word of God? I make no apology for saying that. There is much abuse of that in our society today. And the Bible talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 15. It talks about those that corrupt the gospel or peddle the gospel. And they have their Learjets and they send their prayer cloths and they prey on people through YouTube and their book sales as they, they fritter around the country signing books about every day can be a Friday. Listen, that is peddling of the gospel, and that's wrong. But their wrongdoing should not cause us to misinterpret Scripture. And what the Bible says is 1 Corinthians 9, verse number 14, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. 
It is biblical for us to support missionaries. It is biblical for us to support pastors. It is biblical for us to do that. That is what God has designed. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18. Paul speaking to Timothy. He was pastoring in Ephesus. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of the hire. It's in the context where he's saying, listen, just like you should feed the ox that's plowing, you should also make sure that the, the needs of those that are preaching the gospel and ministering to the church are taken care of. It's a part of, of what we do as believers. It's a part of God's economy. And so the Philippian believers didn't say, ah, you know what, someone else can take care of it. They took the lead as they saw the need. And notice what it says in verse number, uh, verse number 16. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. They didn't just do it one time, they did it multiple times. They sent once and again, and they said, we want to be involved. Now, listen, the fact of the matter is, we live in America, and our, our poverty level is so much higher. What people make at poverty level in America is so much higher than other places in the world. We're incredibly blessed here. And we have taken those blessings so many times, and we've used them to encourage ourselves and to prop up ourselves and to have a very comfortable lifestyle here in America. Go and travel in another place. By the way, it's good to get on a missions trip. May the Lord increase that in our church, the ability to get out. But Randy Alcorn, who wrote The Treasure Principle, said this, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. What happens if you started, uh, stopped looking at yourself as a container for resources, but started looking at yourself as a conduit for the resources that God gave you? How can I take this and give it to others? There have been many times in my life someone has, has blessed, something, um, blessed us with something, and then a little bit later, maybe, maybe a several hours later, I can think of a specific instance now where God brought through and he touched me. He said, by the way, what was just given to you is not for you, it's for him. Yes, sir. I guess... It just went right through my fingers. That's okay. God blesses us to bless others, and he helps us in that way, and ultimately must keep focus on the fact that it's extending the triumph of Christ through investing in the triumphs of Christ. Are you willing personally to take the lead this year? I'm talking about you personally. I'm not saying, well, my church gives towards missions. Nope. You, this church is made up of individuals. Are you willing to take the lead? Someone has to stand, uh, stand up and say, yep, we want to take on that missionary or we want to increase that mission support. Someone has to uh, throw their hand up. Someone has to voice that. Someone has to say, I believe God wants us to do that. Hey, God works in our church. We all are filled with the Holy Spirit or uh, indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God and ought to be filled by the Holy Spirit of God. And that means the Holy Spirit's going to be working in our hearts. God really touched my heart about that missions presentation, Pastor. You sure we shouldn't take that person on? I'm willing to increase my support so uh, we can. We live in a day where the inflation rate is real. Are God's promises only for non-inflationary times? We live in a day when we have missionaries who've been on the field, like we heard from the Bloyds, who've been on the field for 30 years. Many of them say we haven't received an increase in those years. They go to the field and are forgotten about. Friends, we have a desperate need. We have 39 missionaries. We have a desperate need to increase, increase their support. In fact, that's what we did out of last year's missions weeks is we took the increase from this body and we invested it in our missionaries that we already were supporting and we increased them. I believe that's a great need. 
And I believe that's something the Lord will lead us in even in this year. Who's a missionary with the most need? How can we come along and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to bump up your support. We're going to invest in you, in you in a greater way. And we need to take the lead personally. That means as we come to this time, as we draw this month to a close, God, what do you want me to do? And I'm going to take the lead by saying, this is what I'm going to do with God's help. So Philippi was a, a generous church, but they were also a sacrificial church. They were a sacrificial church. Let's go on, verse number 18. The things which were sent from you at Philippi, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing unto God. A sacrifice acceptable. Now, we think about them giving and supporting the Apostle Paul, and we're like, you know what? They must have been pretty loaded there. And I know that's where our mind goes oftentimes. We oftentimes, when we start talking about giving, we oftentimes think about, can I afford this? We don't look at the promises of God first, and say, is this what God wants me to do? Uh, we oftentimes, like, how am I going to do all that I do and do that? I think about so many things that we, we pay for in this day. Entertainment is a huge, huge thing. Frankly, a lot of the entertainment that is out there is worthless. It's not drawing you closer to Jesus. Uh, there's very little on cable that's encouraging you. Even in the sports industry, Listen, guys, you can't hardly watch a sports game, a, a public football game, without having to avert your eyes in order to stay pure. They're not out there dancing around, just, you know, they're trying to draw the world's attention. And friends, we, we give so much in this day to, to entertainment and to just keeping ourselves comfortable well, there's a world that's lost and dying around us. So we look at this matter and we're saying, well, if I, if I had more money, I would give. Well, I want us to realize in, in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse number 1 and 3, Paul talked about the churches at Ma uh, up in Macedonia, and Macedonia is not a town, it's a region. So Philippi was one of those cities inside that region. You know what he says of them? Moreover, brethren, he's talking to the Corinthians, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. He says, hey, y'all down here in Corinth, I want to give you an illustration. There's, a, there's some churches about 150 miles north of you, a little bit further, that uh, really are just allowing the grace of God upon their lives. Verse number two, he says, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Oh, hold on. They were going through a trial, and they are in poverty. And Paul says, up there in Macedonia, they're abounding with liberality. They're abounding with giving. They're just, they're giving out of their hearts, and, and it's bringing joy, for to their power I bear you record. Yea, and beyond their power, they are willing of themselves. And so, uh, he goes on in the next verse, he says, they gave themselves first to God, and then they gave of their resources, even though it was coming out of poverty. You know, God is able to take even the little amounts that you and I give, and even the sacrificial amounts, and make them something more. Little is much when God is in it. And that's the reality. And so, Paul notes that this church to the Corinthians, he notes, he says, listen, they're not a wealthy church, and they're giving, they are being liberal not liberal in their stance, okay? 
but liberal in the way they're just generous. They're sacrificing. And so here's the Philippian believers. We go back to our passage, Philippians 4, 17. Not because I desire a gift of you, but desire fruit that it may abound to your account. I want you to notice that they sacrificed for the gospel, for the fruit of the gospel, which is the salvation of souls. The outcome of Paul preaching the truth in Thessalonica and throughout Macedonia was that people would be saved, and so they were giving towards that. They sacrificed towards that. Paul says, I want, I'm not asking you just to prop me up. I'm asking that you partner with me in seeing fruit happen in many different um, um, cities and regions. I'm asking that you come alongside and that as fruit happens, as people come to the Lord Jesus Christ and as they grow in him, as the fruit of the Spirit becomes to manifest itself in their lives, I want you to know that what's happening in their lives partially gets rewarded to your account. We are partnering together. He says in Philippians 1 and verse number 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. So he's praying for them. And he thanks God for this, for your fellowship in the gospel, for your partnership in the gospel from, this, the, from the first day until now. So Paul was saying, listen, you guys, from the first day I met you, and the first day you received Christ, there on the riverside and in the jail, you are just, you are partnering with me in the gospel. And I praise God every time I stop and think about you and every time I stop and pray uh, uh, for you, I just have to thank God. Lord, there's a church that's just, they have a partnering spirit. They're really sacrificing for the gospel and enabling it to go forth. When we invest financially in supporting missions around the world, friends, that is fruit to our account. That's fruit to your account. I don't know about you, I want to have fruit all over the world. I want to have fruit in Grenada, and we already do. I want to have fruit in Mongolia. I want to have fruit over in uh, Hong Kong and China and in Russia. I want to have fruit in these places. I want to have fruit in Ukraine. And we, we did, um, did so by supporting the, uh, the, um, the gospel film project, especially as it was boosted into Ukraine and people came to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm very thankful for, for that and all that God is doing. If you have not yet gone to our website under the Jesus tab, I, I want you to make sure that you watch the Gospel Film Project. It is available for you to share with your friends and coworkers. It's not just for the Ukrainians. It's not just for those in Afghanistan. It's for your coworkers and for uh, people that need to uh, hear the gospel presented. Evangelist Caleb Garraway does that, but we've partnered with that. And it's so exciting to see what God is doing there. As you look at the, uh, um, the Gospel of Mark out there in the wall and you, you hear the presentation, the preaching of Brother Anders tonight, listen, we've been partnering with with that Mahdi project. We have fruit there, friends. The Gospel of Mark has been translated, and there's more effort going on. We have fruit that's abounding our account there in Grenada. We had a planning meeting for going to Grenada at the end of next month, and there's a group of about 11 people that want to go down, and there's some of you that are saying, I want to be a part of that, but I can't go, and so I'm giving to this, and you realize that we have fruit down there in Grenada. There's 80,000 Bibles sitting in a ware warehouses down there waiting to be distributed. There's fruit abounding to your account down there in Grenada. I praise the Lord for that. We have the trometers coming next week, and they're going to wrap up our, our missions conference. And they've been in Brazil and they, they've worked with uh, Kim Heimroll and, and, and they have worked for the Lord in many, many different ways down there. And they've been faithful to the Lord and they've won people to Christ. Friends, as they come next week, just realize we share in the blessings and the triumph of Christ in Brazil as well. 
I'm so thankful for that. Right now, I want us to hear about what God is doing uh, through the Overtons in India and hear how that God is allowing fruit to be abounding to our account through our missions giving to supporting the Overtons and what God is doing over there in India. Dear church family, my name is James Overton, and this is my lovely wife, Tori, and we've been serving with Worldview Ministries since 2013, and we've been part of your missions family since October of 2015. We came to a mission conference and began being supported by you in March of 2016. So first of all, we want to say thank you so much for all of these years that you have partnered with us in prayers and financial support. And we want to say that there is fruit to your account. Uh, even just this past year, since we've been back to India in June, uh, we have seen two people come to Christ, and we are just thrilled about that. We've seen others. Uh, I think there's been about five uh, young men and young ladies who have gotten assurance of their salvation, and we're just thrilled about their growth since that confidence that came to them. Uh, we have been serving in a Sunday school class of about 25 young men and women who are ranged from 15 to 17 years old, and many of them are Hindu in nature, their, their religious background, and we have been teaching them uh, from Genesis and laying a foundation of who God is, and we are excited about that moment when we are able to present to them Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and the work that he has done for us. And so uh, pray with us uh, that we are able to be clear and uh, precise about the gospel message to them. Because what we don't want is we don't want them to add Jesus to their religious beliefs. We want them to turn from their religious beliefs to Christ, um, who is a solid rock. And we are so thankful uh, that we can have confidence in the Word of God and knowing that it is the power of God unto salvation uh, to the Jew first as well as to the Greek. Uh, we have been working on a Bible translation for the Lokanzo people in Uganda, Africa. We had an opportunity to visit them, and, and through our visit, we've been able to stay in contact. And we've been working on the back translation for them for the book of Mark and the book of James. And we have completed that. They are working in the book of John now. And so we're just excited about being part of that translation program in Uganda while we're here in India. And then uh, our, our purpose here in India is training these uh, six individuals here. Miss Rebecca, uh, she is part of our worldview staff and she helps us out in a great deal. But our purpose is to train these young men and women to be Bible translators to be able to take the Word of God and translate it for people who do not have it in their heart language. So these young men are going to not only be Bible translators, they're going to be evangelists, they're going to be pastors, they're going to uh, do all of those things necessary to have a church plant, and then from that church plant, be able to provide the Word of God for people that do not have it. So I'm excited about what these men and Miss Lydia uh, are going to be able to do for the Lord for uh, this place here in India and Myanmar. So please be in prayer for us as we train them and encourage them and share with them skills and tools necessary to be successful 
And uh, really, the main thing is their dependence upon the Lord Jesus for every area of their life. Well, God bless you. Thank you for giving us this short moment to be able to express uh, our heart to you. And uh, we, we just want to stand for Jesus wherever we are. And so we're going to sing just a slight chorus to you, uh, Stand for Jesus. Stand for Jesus, don't be ashamed. Stand for Jesus, claim His name. For He loves you on your rugged cross, His arms are open wide. classroom. We've been in that classroom and uh, met some of those um, there that are being trained there. And you don't realize as you give towards the Overtons, you're enabling them to be right there and training translators that are going throughout India. Think about that. The Bible in different places throughout India, Myanmar, and even as they're working with uh, some of uh, the work that's going on there in Uganda, it's amazing. We get to sacrifice for that. All of a sudden, it, it seems pretty worth it, right? It seems pretty worth it to say, you know, I'm going to give up this, this little bit of entertainment or this little nicety of the American lifestyle for that. It seems pretty worth it at that point. And we get to be a part of that. And so when we financially invest in missions and supporting missions, we are increasing our fruit in our account in different places throughout the world. I want to do that. How about you? I want to do that. How about you? Hey, friends, we, that's why we exist as a church. We do not exist to hoard resources and hoard material possessions. We exist to make a difference in this generation for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they sacrificed for the preaching of the gospel in the next city, but their sacrifice was not as much for Paul as it was unto God. And we need to realize this. We need to have our focus in the right, the right place. Notice in verse number 18, but I have all and I abound, I'm full and received of Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell and a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to who? To God, to God. Sometimes we get focused on the, on the messenger. Well, these people, they need more money, they need more money, they need more, no, no. The work of God is worth supporting and God uses people like you and I to carry that work into other places. We're supporting or investing in the work of God. We're sacrificing for the God who sacrificed everything for us. He is worthy of our sacrifice. Epaphroditus was a, simply a messenger from the church at Philippi to Paul. When he came, he brought great delight to them. We find that Paul notes in Philippians 2 and verse 25 that this man was a companion a, in labor, a fellow soldier, and a messenger from the church there saying, hey, listen, here's this gift. We want you to go on and continue to preach. Go at it, Paul. Don't give up. We're holding the ropes for you. We'll keep you supported. Let us know of your needs. We want to hear about your prayer requests. We want to hear what's going on in your ministry because we want to generously, sacrificially support what God is doing through you. And Paul was encouraged. He says, I was, I was blessed. I, I'm full in my heart. It, my heart's overflowing because I've received this and just realizing I'm not out here alone. I'm not out here to do this work that God has called me alone. There are people rooting for me and they're putting their money and resources behind it. 
Paul was encouraged in Corinth when uh, uh, the church's Macedonia sit down a, a love offering through Timotheus and Titus. And, and the Bible says he's working as a, as a tent maker with Priscilla and Aquila. But when he received that love offering, when he received those gifts from those other churches, the Bible says he was pressed in the spirit to preach Christ. What does pressed mean? Didn't mean he was dragged along kicking and screaming. It meant that he was encouraged, energized, that he was just, that he was uh, enthusiastic about it. It was something that welled up within him. He became preoccupied. Now I can fully focus and fully engage in the preaching of the gospel. And that's what we get to do when we support missions. We get to allow them to be pressed in the spirit and not be bound. Where's my next meal going to come through? Where, where is that bill? Gonna, uh, how am I going to pay that bill? They are thinking in their heart. All they're thinking about is, I get to preach the gospel. Where do I go next with it? We want to partner in that way. We want to sacrifice unto God in that way. Uh, a couple, you know, about a month ago, I found out that Miss Kim Heimrell, she's doing furlough and trying to raise support, raise her support for the work that she's doing down in... Uh, in Brazil, um, she's another one of those that, that just uh, is needing to be in the States and, and uh, get more partnering churches with her. And we're sending church, and we partner with her in a, in, a, in a great way, but she needs some other churches to come along, so she's going about, she's dri uh, driving a car, and it broke down two times on her. And, uh, and we heard about that. She was coming here to grab her prayer cards that we, we as a church put together and paid for. It was okay for us as a church to pay for her, her, um, her prayer cards. So that, that was just something that she didn't have to worry about. We took care of getting them printed and, and giving them to her. She was coming to pick them up, but it broke down. And so I just mentioned to the deacons, hey, she's having a rough time. Can we, uh, can we send her an offering to help her out? And you know what? She, uh, she gave me here right here. Dear church family, uh, thank you so much for the thoughtful offering toward uh, the car repairs. It broke down on the road two days in a row requiring a hotel stay. The money uh, is surely a relief. Also, thank you for the sharp-looking uh, prayer cards. Um, I love you all uh, so much and want to uh, represent you well. Kim Heimrell, 1 Samuel 12:24. Uh, uh, only fear thou the Lord and serve him with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you in all caps. And uh, we get to partner with that. That's not a sacrifice for Kim Heimroll as much as it's a sacrifice for God. And we get to be a part of that, and we want to do more of that. We want to have a sensitive spirit to that as a church family. And so uh, we want to be a part of what God is doing. Paul called this generosity on the Philippians part a sacrifice. They offered it up. You don't take something back after you offer it. You give it away. It is, you are separating yourself from something you value. You're saying, this is now God's. And you know what? The good thing about God is he promises to bless, uh, bless in return. And so this sacrifice was unto God. And so next week, as you fill out the investment cards uh, and pray over that this week, you are making a determination. What am I going to sacrifice unto God? What am I going to give back to God to extend his triumph in different regions around the world? I want to be a part of supporting our missionary partners more. I want to be able to see our church have added to our missions family. I want to be able to be a part of all this. And so as we fill those out, we're not filling out, well, it's just for the church. No, this is for God. We sacrifice to God. And that's my heart as we do that. And I know that's going to be your heart as you fill those out as well. I want us to see here was a generous church. Here was a sacrificial church. But I want us to realize to this generous sacrificial church, God had a promise. And I want you to read it out loud with me. And I want you to see it in its context. Philippians 4, 19. This is not the promise that you, you uh, claim 
when you just want to add something into your possessions. Well, but my God shall supply all your need. I want a new car, but my God shall supply all your need. This is not the promise. This is in the context of giving to the extension of the gospel into other regions. And to this sacrificial, generous church, God has a promise. I want to be just like Philippi. I want Grace Baptist Church to be just like Philippi. Let's be a generous, sacrificial church and read this out loud together with me. Verse 19, ready, begin. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Notice his promise for this church and by extension uh, today to our church. Their need would be supplied, verse 19. It would be filled up. It would be satisfied. And the idea of filling up a container completely. So we think, well, if I give to that, I'm not going to have enough. God says, nope, I'll keep your container full. Think about what happened last week. Elijah and the, the widow that we heard, and it just made an impact as it was shared in last, last Sunday morning service by Brother Mike Edwards. As she sacrificed her last bit of meal and her last bit of oil, what happened? As she gave that in obedience to God, as she gave that every time she came back to get meal and oil out of her barrel and out of her cruise of oil, there was enough there. There was enough there. Our God does not take from you and leave you dry and penniless. Our God, I'm not talking about health, wealth, and prosperity, but I am saying God does supply. He promises to do that. And he promises that to us as we sacrificially give. I want you to listen to some verses, and they're in your notes today. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosoms. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured unto you. So God says, if you measure out in, in bucket loads, you're going to get back bucket loads. If you uh, measure out in dump truck loads, you're going to get back dump truck loads. Why is it that the people that seem to give the most seem that they're always having God provide for them? Listen, God, God will bless. He will keep his promise. Luke 6, 38 is a wonderful promise. Malachi 3 and verse number 8, will a man rob God? That's an interesting question. How can we rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed and with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye the tithes into the storehouse, that there might be meat in my house. The tithes were, uh, were a part of, of taking care of the things of God, taking care of the people of God in the, uh, in the storehouse. So he says, I want you to bring your tithes into the storehouse so that there might be meat, there might be provision in my house. And prove me now... Prove me now, God says, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. God's saying, test me. Just try me. Some of you are on the edge about this whole tithing thing. And you're wondering, and by the way, I don't know. I don't see who gives and who gives what. And I'll keep it that way. I'm thankful for our deacons who count the money and take care of uh, issuing those reports. I'm, I'm very thankful for their diligence in that. So I can preach this without anyone in mind. You say, shoo, all right? But statistically, there are people in this room that really struggle with this idea of tithing. Your struggle is not about that money. Your struggle is in trusting God. And friends, God says, prove me. And I challenge you, 
before you even begin giving to missions, I challenge you to prove God. Just see if God will come through on through on his word. Just see. On that card next week, you could, you could mark down, I'm, I'm going to take the 90-day challenge. I'm, gonna be, uh, I'm going to commit on this card that I am for the next 90 days. I'm just going to prove God. I'm going to prove and see what he does. And I don't want to be involved in robbing God. I know you don't want to be involved in robbing God. God says, hey, tithes and offerings are how we would rob him. But if we will honor him in that way, he will, he will bless. Now, 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 6 Again to the Corinthian believers, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Let's say that out loud. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Now listen to this promise. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. God says, if you honor me with your giving, I will make sure that you are able to abound to every good work. It's a good work. Good work of taking the gospel into every place. And God will take care of you if you obey him. The need of the church and its members will be supplied in accordance to how we support the gospel and the work of missions in the world. You want to see the needs met here? You want to see needs met in your own life? Honor God. Honor God. And can I get an amen to that? Honor God. Now, there's a step of faith that has to to be taken here. You have to step out and trust that God, your creator, the one who saved your soul, the one in whom you've placed the, the, the eternal destination for you, you've placed it in your hands, you're trusting in him, you're going to trust that guy for your temporary resources. That's pretty amazing. And he will come through. The story is told of an old farmer who was known for generous giving and whose friends could not understand how he'd give so much and yet remain so prosperous. One day, one of his friends came to him, kind of the spokesman of the group, and says, we can't understand you. You give far more than any of the rest of us, and you always seem to have more to give. He goes, oh, that's, that's easy, the farmer said. I keep shoveling into God's bin, and God keeps shoveling back into mine, and God has a bigger shovel. And that's the reality. God has a bigger shovel. And our problem is we don't trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understandings. Well, I don't know how this will work. Trust him. I don't know how I can do that in this uh, this year of inflation. Trust him. Trust him. See what God will do. The generous, sacrificial believer can rest in the promise of God and for his provisions. God will come through. But I want us to notice, and grandly I want us to notice this in verse number 20, I want us to notice that their purpose as a church was fulfilled. What is our purpose as people? It is to glorify God. Whatsoever you, uh, therefore you do, uh, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the, help me, glory of God. That's magnifying God. That is our sole purpose for existing, to glorify him. But the church, Ephesians 3 and verse 21, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout ages, world without end, amen. What is God's goal for the church? That we would bring glory to God. You know what this church just did? As Paul received the sacrificial gift from them multiple times, as they were investing and extending the triumph, here's what Paul did. Wow. He looked at that check. He looked at that, that gift, and he says, Now thanks 
Now unto God be glory. They didn't get the attention. They were the, they were the channels of God's goodness. But he says, now unto God and the Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Philippi, as a church, became the reason for Paul to step back and say, glory to God. Friends, I don't know about you. I want to be a church. I want Grace Baptist Church. I want our church to be the reason that missionaries in different places around the world and and, and those that are preaching the gospel in different places step back and say, glory to God. God's been good. They're not a wealthy church, but God has met this need through their church and through their sacrificial giving. Glory to God. Listen, we can achieve our purpose by investing in the work of missions. What we give to God uh, is, is a part of bringing glory to his name in other places. I want you to turn to, uh, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 1. And we're going to close with this. I want us to grab a hold of this. Why does it matter if you invest in missions this year? Why does it matter if you fill out a card and you say, by God's grace... I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to determine to give this, uh, this amount between me and God. Your name's not on the card, but between me and God, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to give this amount over the coming year to the work of missions. Why is it important? Does it make a difference? Does it make a difference? Philippi was a sacrificial, generous church. Did it make a difference? Did it matter? We say yes, and you're there, and I'm not. Here we go. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God and the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to you always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost and in, in much assurance as, we, uh, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction and with joy of the Holy Ghost. And Paul's just saying, listen, this is how we came to you. Uh, We came, and the Holy Spirit empowered our message. He empowered the truth. We came to you after we left Philippi. We came to you in this this way. And and so he goes on in in verse number 7. So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Remember, we're talking about regions, Macedonia and Achaia. And so this church that Philippi helped support Paul to go to and preach the gospel message has now become an example to the whole region of Macedonia and also Achaia. They had a pretty big reach, a reach, uh, a reach broader than even, uh, than even the state of Ohio. It was a, it was a pretty big area of, of land. So they had this broad reach, verse number eight, for from you, and I want you to help me out with those next four words, sounded out the word. Did you see that? For from you, say it again with me, sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith toward God word is spread abroad so that, there is, um, that we need not to speak anything. Now, do you catch this, what's going on? 
Paul, we want to be a part of funding you to go over to Thessalonica and preach the same message you preached here. Oh, thank you. Glory to God. That's such a, a relief. I don't need a tent make. I can go over there and preach the gospel, focus on that. And so as he's writing to the Thessalonian believers later on, he says, listen, listen, I just want you to know this is how you receive the gospel. You just immediately began engaging in it, and you immediately began publishing it. And he says you began sounding it out. The idea of sounding out is to echo, to reverberate. It's like shockwaves. Yesterday morning, the Air Force Marathon was happening. And whatever speakers they have on the Air Force Base are very, very loud. And we could hear them inside of our house as they're announcing. And, and then there was also, uh, was anyone there at the marathon? What, what was the fireworks or the, the gunshots, the cannons? The, the, what was being blasted off over on the Air Force Base? I don't know. But it was very loud. And it reverberated. I'm sitting on my couch. I'm like, whoa. What is going on? It sounded like an explosion, but they were starting the race and having a good time at doing it. But it reverberated and, and it carried. Listen, they received the gospel in such a way that they began to reverberate out from Thessalonica everywhere. Think about this. Philippi partnered with Paul in seeing that happen. Why does it matter for you to invest in missions? Because you don't know what God is going to do with that investment. You don't know what lives down in Grenada are going to take the gospel to Venezuela or to other islands in the, uh, the, the Caribbean. You don't know what God is going to do with that. You don't know where those young men and women are going to go in India and Myanmar. You don't know what Bible translation pro um, projects they're going to be involved in. And you say, yes, the Lord. And, and, and you give as you purpose in your heart. You give cheerfully. You give as you're able, as God has prospered you. You give towards that. You sacrifice. You're generous. And God takes that and says, you know what? Little do you know, I am going to shake a whole nation and a whole region by your gift in that way. Why wouldn't we invest? Why wouldn't we say, we're going to take a step and we're going to prove God in the midst of 8.26 inflation? We're going to prove him. Why wouldn't we? When you look at it this way, it isn't just about giving to men and to you know, earthly causes that will fade away. It is giving to the eternal destinies of people. I want to be involved in that, don't you? Right now, Brother Frank is going to help me out with some other ushers, and we're going to have put into your hand the investment card. You guys would come and help out here with these cards, and I want every person who, uh, to get one. Don't, don't, don't wave no at the, um, the, the ushers here. You guys can just start passing them out here. Uh, don't wave no. Uh, they'll give it to you anyway. So make sure that every person that's able to, teenagers can get this as well. And let's, let's take a look at this. I want to go over this. I want our invitation to be simply praying about this card, and you have the next week to really pray and consider what the Lord is going to do. I don't want you to fill out this card today. I say that again. I do not want you to fill out this card today. I'm giving this to you to keep with you throughout this week and allow God, you have some personal moments with God this week. What am I going to do to invest in missions? I want to be engaged in the mission. And uh, you notice there is not a, a name place on this card, and that's by design because we do believe it is between you and God. And God wants you to be cheerful. This needs to be a decision. Now, I'm going to encourage you as husbands and wives to pray about it together. And, uh, and to take time to determine that together. And uh, you might help your teenagers. I'd encourage uh, teenagers uh, to get involved in that. I'd encourage your children to get involved in that. Uh, think about how you can involve them. It may be five cents, but you know what? That makes a difference in their life. It's not about how much it is. It's about the sacrifice of heart. 
So help your children to get to know, hey, this is what we do. We invest in missions and help them um, be a part of that. So uh, the, uh, this is our missions investment card. I'm personally engaging in the mission of Christ by financially investing through my church's missions program. Our missions program is a separate fund. It is not the general fund. When we tithe, we give to the general fund and to the work here and to um, keeping it going here. When we give to missions, we give to a missions fund. It's a separate place on the website. It's a separate place on the envelope. We give specifically to that. That goes directly to investing in our missionaries. That is not... Uh, 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 blessing our missionaries when they're preaching to us. Uh, that comes out of our general fund. We use our missions fund to, to support mission work and church planning, some here in the States and, and much abroad. So number one, the option would be I'm beginning to invest in missions for the first time. I'm beginning uh, to invest in missions for the first time through my church, Grace Baptist Church, in the amount per week. Now, if you notice down there, uh, some people get paid by, by uh, monthly, others monthly, and so on, or maybe that's not, uh, not your pay scheme at all. So maybe you don't give um, per week, maybe you give every other week or bi-monthly, bi but you can either mark on that gray line the amount per week, what you would give weekly, or you can mark down below there, you see, indicate if giving bi-monthly or monthly. Indicate if you're giving bi-monthly or monthly. So please indicate how, how you are giving. So I'm beginning to invest in missions for either one of those, uh, option one or two. Indicate whether you're giving by week, by monthly, or monthly. And then number two, I am increasing, I am increasing my mission investment through my church. So this would be this is, I, I'm already giving, but I'm increasing by this amount. We have a general understanding of how much is coming in. But we'd like to know, is God working in your heart to increase? You say, why do you need to know that? So that we can up some support or that we could take on as the Lord would lead us as a church family. And we bring those, that's something that we get to decide upon. The upping of support, the increasing of support, or the taking on of a missionary is something we would bring back to you and say, here's a missionary, or here's these. This is why we're suggesting to increase the support, and you get to be a part of that vote, where you say, uh, you say we're, we're all in favor of this, and, and, and we get to be a part of that as a church. So it's not something that I do on my own. It's something that we get to do together. So I'm beginning, or I'm increasing. Notice, uh, note whether it's weekly, bi-monthly, or monthly. And then down there in that blue box, I want to take the 90-day challenge. Or you might just say, you know what? I, um, I am already investing. And maybe the Lord just says, you know what? You've, you, you've done well. I would encourage every person who's given in the past to try to increase it a little bit. If we just try to increase a little bit, we're always taking a step forward. That's what my plan is to do. Uh, increase, increase as, Lord, what do you want me to increase? But you might, uh, some people might just say, I'm already investing in missions regularly, and that's, that's, that's your check. But every person, I'd encourage every person to sign, uh, sign uh, and fill out this, uh, this card. Don't put your name on it, but fill it out. And then mark it on both sides next week, not today. Mark it on both sides. We rip it apart, and you put the small one in the offering plate when they're collected next week. And so that, and we'll explain that again next week. Right now, what I'd like for us to do is just bow our heads, and right there in your seat, you might find your, your knees, and you might find a, a, a place just to, to simply pray, Lord, here's this card. My pastor's challenged me. I've heard your word. And now I am praying that you give me guidance in this week as for what our family ought to do. Uh, Lord, you know that I feel a little bit anxious about this right now. I pray that you would help me uh, to, uh, to be past that, that I would trust in you. And you'd simply pray there in your seat, Lord, what would you have me to do? Uh, Lord, help me to trust you. And so let's take some time to pray over the card that you have in your hand right now. And you have all week to pray, but I want us to start now.
The card in your hand will definitely mean whether more people can hear the gospel or not. It's directly attached to the Great Commission to supporting missionaries around the world. I wonder as believers pray, are there those that maybe need to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Could I encourage you and implore you on this day? God does not want your money. He wants you. He wants you. And he proved that at Calvary when he spread his arms wide open and declares in the book of Romans, whosoever will may come. It starts there. Could I encourage you to receive Christ today? The invitation is never over here. I find that these conversations are best in person. And if you need to receive Jesus Christ today, please let us know. We'll be out by the Welcome Center at the end of the service today. We'd like to help you with that. We don't want anyone leaving without assurance in their heart that Jesus Christ has been received and he has become the full payment of your sin. You might ask yourself today, believers, have I responded to the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that he showed to me at Calvary with generous sacrificial giving like the Philippians? Would you determine right now some time that you're going to set aside in the week, maybe on your drive, maybe as you're getting ready, maybe before you go to bed with your spouse? We're going to pray at this time. We're going to ask God for specific leading and a specific amount that I should invest in missions going forward. Father, you see your people praying. You have so richly blessed us. Sometimes we get focused on our wants and we forget to thank you for supplying all of our needs. Lord, I don't doubt that you're moving in every heart here today in some way. Lord, would you help us? Would you help us as your people to invest in what truly matters? Lord, give us strength. Would you relieve anxiety? Would you relieve worry and help us to trust you? You told us that we weren't to be anxious about our needs. We were to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and all these things would be added unto you. We aren't to worry like the Gentiles or like the unbelievers do. You got it. And so we pray that you'd help us. We're feeble. We are subject to worry. We're subject to wrong thinking. So we need you as our Heavenly Father to give us great help. And we ask you to do that in this week. I pray that you give great clarity to your people as we go through this week. May you help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit Grace Kettering. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.